So my daughter is a gymnast. Recently, I was at one of her meets. She was killing it. She was doing a great job. But here's the thing about gymnastics meets. They can go for several hours, but your kid, realistically, performing for all of about a minute and a half worth of time. Three hours to a one and a half minute ratio. Yep. Anyways, so I recorded this video of my girl on the phone so I could have it for later. I could share it with friends. I could post it to Facebook. You know the drill. Later it occurs to me, the only thing I saw of her one minute and a half performance time was filtered through a three and a half inch digital screen. Now the good part is that I could always watch it. The bad part? I never really saw it. More and more it seems that life is filtered through a digital screen. What would it mean to attempt to live an unfiltered life? Welcome to the Sandbox. Welcome to the Sandbox Cooperative. I'm Dave. And I'm Chris. Uh, Thanks for joining us. Dave, I think that story is a a great framework for considering the topic of this episode, and that's this. Um, Is it possible to be present in a life where every moment is documented in pictures, video, texts, tweets, and posts? Does this impact the way that we perceive reality or see our lives? Uh, And what about the lives of of those we love or even of our world? Right. Okay. But but here's the thing, and and I want to make this clear as we get started. Full disclosure. We are in no way anti-technology. Now, we're talking to you through a podcast, for crying out loud. You may be listening to us on your phone, wirelessly, through Beats by Dr. Dre. And actually, I kind of hope that you are. I, 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 I kind of feel like Kip from Napoleon Dynamite. I love technology. I loves me a good selfie. I heart videos of my kids doing their activities, but it seems that there's a learning curve when we play with technology before norms get established on how to use a given technology. I think of it like like a pendulum. It has swung really, really far to one side and it has yet to begin to swing back into a happy medium. If we sell out totally to technology, it kind of feels like we lose something of ourselves in the process. Exactly. And as two people who are early adopters and curious about that best use, we're not interested in commenting on these forums necessarily as good or bad so much as just paying attention to it and just realizing that it's there and finding out how to use it. Uh, So in the spirit of making use of technology, but also exploring what it looks like to best use it, I've been doing this experiment over the last week or so with this thing called the narrative clip. The narrative clip. Yeah, and it's been totally creeping people out. So it's this little device that was launched a couple of years ago through a Kickstarter project. And it seemed like the perfect thing for this episode of the podcast. So this device is a little square block with a clip on the back and a camera on the front. And you clip it to your shirt, your pocket, your hat, wherever. And it takes a picture every 30 seconds. Because nothing says cool like something clipped to your shirt pocket. (laughs) Of course. I actually really at one point wanted a pocket protector because I felt like my pocket kept falling forward. And if I would have had a pocket protector, it would have been perfect. It would have been just great. So um, anyone looking to use this device, definitely consider a pocket protector. It'll be great. Um, anyway, so um, looking in the in through the manual when I when I first got this thing, um, the the manual for the, for the narrative clip offers these tips. 
says, don't struggle to capture every moment. Let the narrative clip be with you naturally. It doesn't need your constant attention. And a few pages later, let narrative clip change your life for the better. Get outside more, try new things, and spend time with people you love. Okay, so I'm curious. What happens if I get one of these and wear it for a while? Do all of my dreams come true, just as was suggested? All of your wildest dreams will come <laughs> true, I'm sure. Well, not quite, but I do have a few notes on, on what my experience was like. So starting off, day one. My experience of the day was absolutely different from a normal day. For something that's branded as letting you pay attention more, I was almost constantly paying attention to the clip, moving it, fixing it, wondering if people would notice it. If I was getting any decent pictures, do you get the idea? Have my constant attention. So on the first day of this experiment, it definitely changed my experience. But by the end of the day, my biggest question was, what do I do with all the boring things like pictures of me doing the dishes? Yeah, Chris, what do you do with boring things like washing the dishes? In social media and digital life, you know, every day can be a great day with stylized selfies and surprised, mouth open, carefree grins surrounded by good friends doing awesome things, right? We don't ever do things like dishes in the digital life. You just don't see it. We curate our image like one curates an exhibit in a museum. There's no room for doing dishes or sweeping the garage or doing laundry in that exhibit space, right? Absolutely. Uh, but when you're documenting fully, like I was with this, with this narrative clip, you see things a little differently. You see more of the normal things. Um, and on day two, wearing the clip was a bit more normal. I didn't notice it quite as often, though I did still find myself adjusting the angle while I was wearing it. Mm-hmm. All in all, day two really was actually a pretty good day. But when I was looking through the pictures later, it seemed like parts of it were full of activity, and then there was a huge section where I was sitting on the couch. Yeah, sitting on the couch, right? The most boring part. I'm sure from a narrative standpoint, that was probably the most boring part. But in actuality, it's probably you know the best part of the day. It was. So I'm a big soccer fan, and it was the first day of the English English Premier League season. Um, Just a good afternoon watching the game. Not much better than that. Um, Day three threw things off a little bit. In the morning, I thought it was recording, but it was actually dead. So I went and charged it, snapped a few pics, and then took it off when taking an afternoon nap, trying to avoid the shots of the ceiling fan and the boring ones that I have, like the couch the day before. Um, Near the end of the day, I clipped it back on and wore it out to dinner with my wife and a friend. And I realized I was already placing value on various parts of my day and trying to select mm-hmm. like what was good enough to wear it for and what, what wasn't. Um, day four and five were pretty normal in that I paid fairly little attention to it. You know, I'd clip it on, unclip it, sync the pictures, get back to it. And I was back on tra- track wearing it from the beginning of the day till going to bed. Um, it had kind of started to become more normalized. But I did notice that every once in a while I was still paying attention to what pictures it was grabbing. You know, honestly... You know, for those of us who are around you, it's becoming a part of your whole look now. I mean, we're we're all getting kind of used to this square thing that looks like it needs a pocket protector taking pictures of us all the time. So now we're all just responding more normally as well. Yeah, I've, I've noticed that, that like after people have been around it for a little bit, they kind of start to figure it out. But here's the thing with taking a picture every 30 seconds. There's a possibility that it takes a picture when you're in the bathroom. Yeah. And on day six... I forgot to take it off for the first time. Thankfully, the battery was dead. That's what you'd have us believe. I mean... <laughs> well, I'm not showing you those pictures anyway, even if they existed. So. Oh, we can. We have means. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. So anyway, after, after trying this thing out for a week or so, I'm not really sure what to think. It was really weird to be constantly documenting my day. 
and it definitely affected my experience of what was going on around me, especially when I first used it. Um, I also have literally thousands of pictures and only a small few are good enough to use for anything. On, on one hand, really honestly, no one wants to or should see everything that I'm doing. And yet there's also a very curated image of ourselves that we tend to create. And that often covers up the whole picture of who we are. Exactly. And, and you know, this whole time as you've been talking, you know, we've been talking about the curated image, right? Did you happen to see the Republican debate the other night? I did. Ten people on a stage, each one trying to convince America that he is the best choice to be the next president. Curating the image in full effect. You know, the flag pin had to be just right. The red or blue tie all knotted up in the perfect double Windsor, which I've never been able to do a double Windsor, but they've got it. It's the only they, one I know how to do. Or show off. <laughs> so they, <laughs> they jockeyed for who was the most conservative, the most Christian, the most whatever it is. You get the picture. And you know what? The Democrats will have their own image to outdo each other with as they debate. But just think about all of the photo ops we're going to be seeing in this next year candidates in front of police officers or a whole bunch of school kids or an equally proportionate racially diverse randomly selected crowd and i say this with full sarcastic air quotes which do not translate sometimes through the speakers we might hear someone say he slash she needs to appear more presidential yeah, and these, these photo ops are so specifically and strategically taken, too. Right. So uh, during the 2008 pre- presidential election cycle, I was helping out with an event, had the opportunity for a photo op with then-presidential candidate Barack Obama. And man, that picture was absolutely staged. Uh, a few of us who were volunteering were ushered by Secret Service agents into the hall where he was expected to walk before heading backstage. We waited a few minutes before he arrived. We all, once he got there, we all briefly shook hands and introduced ourselves. Uh, then a few of his staff lined us up, photo was snapped, and he was on his way. The whole experience lasted about two minutes, tops. Um, Because of the way that these things are so orchestrated, what looked like a group of volunteers meeting the soon-to-be president was almost nothing like that. Almost nothing like that. Everything, it's, it's about that image, right? And when one of them makes it eventually to a convention a year from now, there's going to be a balloon drop. The red, white, and blue balloons will fall from the ceiling of an arena and bathe the people in America, right? <laughs> but if you actually saw those balloons, and this is hearsay, right? But I've heard that they wouldn't exactly be red, white, and blue. They would be more maroon and cream or violet or something because that appears closer to red, white, and blue on camera. It's about the image. It's about the picture. The election of our president on some level is a manipulation of reality an appeal to our sense of image and self and value and what's important. And all of that is beginning right now. Yeah, and think about how powerful those images are. They're powerful enough to influence public opinion in an entire election. And also, how central they become to how how we operate just daily. Uh, We document so much that it's like, if I don't have a picture on my phone, it didn't happen, right? I actually... um, my friend texted me just the other day and he said he'd gotten a new tattoo. And my immediate reaction was, picture didn't really happen. I was joking, but I also kind of wasn't. Yeah. It's weird, don't you think? 
If we record everything, we are recording nothing. If I'm documenting everything with a picture, again, am I seeing it? Am I, experience, am I experiencing it? If I post every picture to Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, and process my reality real time, what is really happening? Am I looking to my virtual community to validate my lived experience? And yet there's this other thing going on here. I often hear people say that they put more value in experiences than in stuff. In other words, I'd rather have an awesome time on a vacation or at a concert with my friends than buying a new TV or a car or some other status symbol. Anyway, it often seems like a picture proving that you were doing something, met someone famous, got a tattoo, like Chris's friend, seeing something remarkable, it's used as currency to model status or meaning. Yet, on some level, it kind of feels like fool's gold to me. Yeah, it's almost like at times our, our pictures of an experience have not only replaced the things we might buy, but they've also replaced the story that we tell about what it was like to be there. That's a good point. Um, I've been reading recently about how a bunch of different bands are telling concert goers not to use their smartphones to take pictures and record video during the concerts. Some of them are even stopping their performances mid-song uh, and telling the audience things like, put your phones and cameras away and just be human with us for a while or be more present with us. I mean, I'll admit I'm usually one of the first to want to snap a picture of, uh, at a concert. But as a musician, I also totally get the other side of that. So a couple of months ago, I had the chance to see Mumford & Sons. I was really excited, especially since the concert was happening in my college town of Waverly, Iowa. Home of the Wartburg Fighting Knights. Indeed. Uh, and this, this was awesome because the whole town was transformed and changed over into this big festival space. So they played Saturday night, and as, I, as they started, I took out my phone and recorded a few songs and took a bunch of pictures. But when I got home, I realized something had happened, and I'm not, still not sure what. Somehow I lost every single picture from that night. Brutal. Yeah. So I spent probably 20 minutes of the concert set looking through my camera at what was there. I still had a great time, and the music was awesome, but I'm also pretty sure that I missed something. And now I don't even have any, any record of it. I can't go back and look at it anymore. It's gone into yeah. the ether, right? I feel like I've been on the actually on the flip side of that, Chris. So your wife, Noelle, teaches piano lessons for my girl, my nine-year-old. Now, last year, there was a piano recital, and she had you set up the camera to record every one of the kids as they played their piece. And then the idea was that you would post that clip that you know, each of the kids playing their piece in beautiful HD clarity to YouTube. Yeah. So my wife and I watched our girl play her piece real time. I never really realized just how much I missed seeing a live performance. I still have the video to watch, but it's crazy. And it sounds, you know, honestly, just ridiculously cheesy to say it in this way, but it was like I saw her playing the piano for the first time. She was beautiful. She was wearing her recital dress and she had practiced so hard and and there she was playing her piece. Sometimes I feel like I've watched my kids grow up through that three or four inch screen. You know, seeing life unfiltered and not through the screen, it's kind of like snapshots in my memory. I'll never forget when my 13-year-old girl was in preschool. She was about four years old. So 
you know, it's years ago now. Anyway, I dropped her off one day and gave her a hug goodbye, and I went out to my car to go to work. I was in a hurry, but I, for some reason I turned back as I went out into the parking lot. And by turning back, I saw my girl, my four-year-old girl, standing in this tall window waving goodbye. I can see that in my mind like it happened yesterday. I was aware, I was keenly aware in that moment just how completely fleeting that moment was. Now that was long ago now where I didn't have that camera in my pocket where my impulse would have been take it out, take a picture, how cute is she, load it to Facebook, and there it is, it really happened. But in that moment, I didn't have that and now it's just etched in my mind, my memory, and she will always be there and I will always access that as a special, a special moment. So there's a story that Jesus tells at one point about a man who had a lot of land. He was a farmer, he worked hard, and year after year he was having a larger yield than he expected. But he was in a bit of a dilemma. He had no place to store his excess food and produce. So he thought, I've got it. I'm going to tear down all of these small barns of mine, and I'm going to build bigger ones to store all my stuff. That way I can live the good life for years to come. Jesus actually has him saying, And I will say to myself, You have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. Then, as the story goes, God says to him, You fool, this very night your life is being demanded of you, and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? Again, if pictures and images proving that we've done all the great things, seen all the amazing people, had all the fantastic experiences, if these pictures are now the new currency, proof of wealth, and the good life, then it feels like we are the landowner in this story. We spend almost all of our time accumulating and storing to enjoy later and not, not enjoying and savoring the moment that we have been given, not enjoying and savoring the moment that God has given right here, right now. Again, maybe it comes back to this idea of the pendulum. How far has that pendulum swung for you? Are you the sum total of your experiences? Are you measured by the pictures and selfies and celebrities you've met and accumulated like souvenirs on the mantle, like trophies in a case? I wonder, I wonder how can we be more present here and now? Maybe it's a place to start. Maybe a place to start is by stepping off the virtual treadmill for a little bit. I had a professor, a professor once who told me before I went on a trip to Europe, travel like you're going back. Don't worry about racing around to see this and that, taking pictures of everything. Travel like you're going back. Maybe that is a metaphor for life. Take in that moment, whatever the moment is, at a concert, with your significant other, with your kids. But just take in the moment without the digital filter. Take time, no matter how fleeting, and dare to live it. Live life, if even for a moment, unfiltered. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Sandbox Cooperative Podcast. We'd love to hear what you think, so let us know on our Facebook page, tweet at us, comment at the Sandbox Cooperative website, or leave us a review on iTunes. 
We'll be back in a few weeks for our next episode. Thanks for tuning in. See ya. Please watch your step as you exit the sandbox.